Welcome to Productive Flow, where we answer the eternal question, why can't I get myself to do the things I know I should be doing? If you want natural productive flow and higher levels of success without all that struggle and self-judgment, this podcast is for you. Now, let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Productive Flow. Um, I'm Angela Kristen Taylor. And today I have with me Lisa Ford. And Lisa is a realtor. And um, it's kind of funny. We have an interesting backstory, um, which we'll tell you about in a minute. Um, But Lisa and I both, um, we work together and um, we work together through EXP, um, which is a real estate company that we're both affiliated with. And, uh, Lisa is the, I would say the definition of a sales matcher. And so we've been talking a lot about sales matchers. And so I wanted you to actually hear from a matcher herself to get a better understanding for, you know, if you're a matcher and if you are like why the typical traditional sales training doesn't work for you and why, being trained as a matcher makes so much more sense. So Lisa, thank you so much for being here today. Welcome to Productive Flow. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Now you guys, I have a new puppy in the house, um, Charlie Choo Choo, and he's super cute. Uh, but he is an 18 pound, eight week old puppy and he has already knocked my microphone down once. So if it happens again, I apologize. Um, but there you go. <laughs> you may hear a little, a little growling and snarling in the background, but that's okay. <clears throat> also, you guys, I am just getting over COVID. So I've had it for like the last two weeks. So if my voice sounds a little wonky, that's why. Um, but yeah, so let's dive right in. So Lisa, um, you and I, I want to start kind of with our backstory because it's super funny. So you, I think you started hearing about me this way as a coach um, because of a class that I taught at Sile Insurance in Florida um, that was a class for real estate moms, right? Yes. Okay. And you attended that class and then you started kind of following my stuff ever since. Um, and then we worked together, I coached you and, and then you joined me at EXP. And, um, what's, what's interesting though, is that we found out after the fact is that we both at the same time worked as teenagers at the Florida (laughs) mall, um, at different stores, but both of those stores, the entire Florida mall, y'all Florida mall is huge. (laughs) The only two stores in the entire mall owned by the exact same company. Okay. So she worked for Merry-Go-Round. I worked for DJs. They were both owned by Merry-Go-Round Inc. And we were both commission-based salespeople on the sales floor as teenagers. And it we like knew the same people and it's hilarious. So we have like that in common. So um, I started working at DJs when I was 14. Wow. And... Um, you know, I, I've kind of told that story before, um, 
but I, the only reason I got the job was because I literally went in and pestered the manager there every single day for two weeks straight begging for a job. And he said, I couldn't work there because I was, I wasn't 16, but eventually he was like, I like your persistence. So I'm going to hire you, but don't tell the (laughs) regional manager how old you are. I'm like, okay, cool. (laughs) And then I worked there for four years. I loved it. I worked there till I was 18. So, um, yeah, so it's just funny, Lisa, and I have this, this same story. (laughs) So funny. So funny. And I actually started in retail up north at 14. Um, Uh so, um, those, those were fun times though. Um, at the Florida Mall. <laughs> yeah, definitely fun times at the Florida Mall. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so it's so funny that we came back into contact with each other, not realizing that we had that connection from way back when. And um, and y'all, that was like late 80s. <laughs> late 80s, early yes. 90s. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> A very long time ago. <laughs> so um, yeah, but at any rate, um, I want to talk about the matchers piece because what's interesting is that, I don't know about you, but back when we worked in retail, um, there wasn't a whole lot of sales training. It was just people walk in the door, say hello, get to know them a little bit, um, notice what they're looking for, pick out other items, kind of get them into a dressing room, throw some other stuff at them and, and match them to outfits. Be sure to upsell your accessories and things like that. And, and that's what we did, right? And then we would take their stuff up to the counter and then they would be rung out of our number, which is how we got paid, right? So, um, that was how we got paid and that's how we did things. And it was just, it was very simple. It was very easy. And it was very much in line with matching because what we did was we saw people walk in the door and then we analyzed what they were looking at and looking for. We would start up a conversation to help serve them better. And then we would match them to the items we felt were a fit. And so it felt really good to be able to do that and know that when that customer left, that we felt like, oh, we did a good job. We matched them to what they were looking for, right? Yes. But the thing is, is that um, when we got into real estate, now you and I have both been in real estate, and that's a very different story because the sales training there was so different. And it was more that that shark mentality, right? Where we had to, you know, where they, they wanted you to knock on doors and, and call people like people you didn't even know and be like, Hey, do you know anybody who's looking to buy or sell a home? You know? <laughs> and so it wasn't, you didn't feel like you were matching and everything was focused on the numbers. It was all focused on the numbers and how much you were um, selling and how much you were supposed to sell. And even to get you motivated, they would tell you, how much do you want to make this year? That's what the question was. How much do you want to make this year? And then you would backtrack that into how many calls and, and people you needed to contact every single day. And then what happens is when you set those goals in that way, it creates this focus around having to, to hit a number. And that the number is very self-serving and it has nothing to do with these people on the other side of this, that you're actually there to serve and help. Right. Right. So tell me what your experience has been with like the traditional sales training as a realtor. So, um, as a realtor, um, yes, it's get the appointment, get the signature, um, 
the, the shark mentality, just get to the next step. And um, I always struggled with that, um, especially early on, because it didn't it didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 I wanted to educate the customer. I wanted to make sure they knew what they were signing. Um, I wanted to walk them through the process and make sure that they were a part of it and very aware and felt accomplished. Um, mm-hmm. And from a buyer standpoint or from a seller standpoint, I wanted them to achieve their goals. And um, I'm grateful that my parents actually taught me that way is just keep in mind what's the customer's goals. Um, yeah. But it was so counterintuitive to, to how we were, I was trained initially coming into business. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's another good point is that you're a second generation realtor. And so I'm, I'm not, um, but you're a second generation realtor. And so you did have that personal experience coming from your, your, your dad, right? And, and then he was able to say, Hey, this is how we do it. And he was a successful agent. And so having that come your way, I'm sure was super helpful and gave you that, that mirror where you could see, Hey, this worked for dad. And this is what they're training me, but this isn't the way dad did things, right? That's right. That's right. It was my mom and my dad. And that was actually before Mm -hmm. I got into retail, I was working in their office as a teenager. So Mm -hmm. it was a relationship business to me. Um, It was a community-based business. It was serving the community. It was so much more than just um, sales. (laughs) It wasn't sales to me. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's the thing. It's, it's how I approached real estate also and why I was able to get business when I was so young, because I, I got into real estate, um, when I was 20, um, I'm trying to think back on the dates now, but I was actually 22 when I got my license, I worked as an assistant to agents for two years. And then when I got my license, I, sorry, dog passing through. No, not (laughs) passing through. Just going to sit right here. Yeah. So when I was 22 and I got my real estate license after having worked for, I worked for Charlotte Cheney. So she was the number one agent in Orlando at the time. And I don't know how how old she was. I know her husband was in his eighties and she wasn't much younger. So (laughs) they were were very old back then. I'm sure they're long gone by now, but, um, it was it, it was having 50 active listings and 50 pending listings at any given time and me and one other assistant running everything, going to the closings, um, running their new home construction model homes and things that they were running for multiple builders and, and then doing all the marketing, all the advertising, all the stuff. So we were all doing all the service oriented work and she was doing all the sales oriented work. And so what was interesting about that was that when I became a realtor myself, I didn't want to do the sales stuff. I wanted to do the service stuff. So I I was like, okay, well, I can do all these things and I know how to do all this. Like I'm really experienced, but how do I convince people to come and work with me? When I look and sound like a little girl, <laughs> I do. You know, I was a little girl, and uh, that was really tough. And so, and what I ended up doing was working with people that I already knew. So my husband's, uh, my first husband's old roommate, 
needed to sell his condo and buy a house. And at the time, the market was really strong for sellers. And I was like, you know what? I bet you if you stuck a FISBO sign in your yard for your condo, you'd sell that on your own and you don't need me for that. But I'll help you with the paperwork. And he was like, okay. And sure enough, he did it. He was under contract within two days, just putting the sign out front. So, and then I helped him buy his next house with him and his wife and their, their two kids. And I felt like, oh, here's my first transaction. And it was with somebody I knew, which is really common for, for most realtors, you know? And mm-hmm. then I started, um, I would, uh, call for sale by owners because, um, it, I had gone through some training at a Remax office. I joined the Remax office first and I, they did this training where they wanted us to, go through all the for sale by owner ads and write them all down in a notebook and, you know, have them, um, organized by the last four digits of the phone number, right? So that you know who you called and who you didn't, and you would track it and just write everything down in a notebook. And so the thing was, is I thought, well, that doesn't sound bad. But the part that I didn't like was that then they wanted you to call this person and set up a time to preview their home. And then when you showed up for the preview, you turned it into a listing appointment. And I went on one with somebody else where I was shadowing them. And the person was so pissed off, like so pissed off. They're like, whoa, this is not what you said we were doing. And they literally like kicked us out of the house. And I was so embarrassed and so ashamed and felt like, you know, I'm so glad I wasn't the one doing it. Um, But I was still there as part of that team. Right. And I felt like this is not how I want to run things. This is not how I want to do business. I don't want to bait and switch people. I don't want to do things that are kind of cause people this kind of upset. It's not what I want to do. I want to serve them. I want to help them. And so what I ended up doing was I left that office and I joined um, the Higgins and Heath Better Homes and Gardens office. And I started doing the, um, the same thing with the for sale by owners and calling them and then saying that I wanted to preview their home to keep it in mind for buyers that I would be working with. And I didn't have any buyers at the time, but I thought if I look at enough homes, I'm going to meet enough people, I'll have buyers. And right. I said, you know, and, and I'll put them up. I found a few websites where I could post for sale by owner listings for free. And I said, I will do the work. I will take your, I will take pictures for you. I will put these up for there for you. And when you get someone interested, I will help you with the paperwork. And they're like, why are you doing all this for me? What do you want? And I said, well, I, I would love for you to refer me to other people who do want to work with a realtor to sell their home. And I would love it if you're going to buy another home, if you would allow me to work with you there, it won't cost you anything. And they were like, wow, that's, that's really nice of you. And I'm like, well, I just, you know, I really want to be out there and serve people and help people. And this is my goal in real estate. And they're like, wow, I got listings like that. I got buyers like that. And so (laughs) I had like, I remember I'd have like three closings in a week and I'm like, this is amazing. You know, it's like I made $10,000 in a week and I'm like, what do I do with all this? this. I was so exciting. And you know, the thing was, is that it wasn't the, it was exciting to be able to earn that kind of money for myself because I was so young. But what really lit me up was seeing their faces when I was there helping them when I was there supporting them. And I had one guy that I just, he, he's like, well, I don't need your help with the paperwork. And I said, well, here's some blank contracts you can use to fill out. 
And, um, if you do need my help, call me, I'm here to help you. And he was, he just was like, no, thank you, but thank you. He took the contracts and stuff. And then he ended up selling his house himself. He used the paperwork that I provided for him. Never asked me for any help, but he sent a check into the office for a few hundred dollars and a letter to my broker, letting him know how helpful and supportive I had been to him through that transaction. And that even though he didn't work with me, he still wanted to provide something as a thank you. And, wow. and my broker came to me to tell me this story. And I was like, wow, it's just so nice, you know? <laughs> and that was what filled me up. That was what filled me up. And so the thing is, is that you have this very traditional sales training that's out there that is all about, let's hit a high number of people. It's, it's quality over quantity, right? <laughs> so I've called this quantity cold and quality warm. Mm-hmm. Where when new agents would come to me as, as their coach in trainer, and they would say, you know, what do I do? How do I get started? And I'm like, okay, well, there's two paths in real estate. They both work. You tell me which one you want to go. There's quality warm and quantity, quantity cold. And they're like, okay, what's that? Well, quantity cold is where you hit large numbers of people, but they're cold contacts. So these are people who don't know you. They don't, know if they like you and they don't know if they trust you because they have no idea who you are. Um, but you can hit a large number of those people and some will work with you and then you can build your business that way. I said quant, quant, quality warm, quality warm is about connecting with people who already know you, like you trust you and building your business that way. And I said, you'll work with less people at first but you will build a very solid and strong foundation for your business and your business will continue to grow because people will continue to refer you. So, and I'm like, which path do you want to take? And most of them, and this is what's so interesting. Most of them chose quality warm. Most of them wanted nothing to do with the quantity cold path. And there are very few people that I've met in 27 years of, of, real estate that wanted to go quantity cold. Very few, because most people that are in real estate are matchers. They're people like me, people like you who, who want to serve. They're lit up by serving and they can be excited about earning the money. It's not like we don't like money. We love money. Right. Right. And and we want it to be consistent. And that's where we run into our biggest problems. Because the quantity cold people, the sales sharks, and there's nothing wrong with sharks, nothing wrong with them. It's just, they do want their thing their way and we do everything our way. All the sales training that's out there is designed for the sales sharks. And it's not designed for the matchers. But most of the people in sales, not just real estate sales, but any sales are matchers. They're in it for the service and they like to earn their money in that way, right? This, yes, it was so freeing um, listening to your podcast yeah. initially because I knew I was I'm a connector by nature. Um, but I just think of all the sales training I had over the years in different capacities and different careers. And yes, numbers driven. And um, m- my success has been long-term relationships, long-term driven. So mm-hmm. it's a very yeah. different approach to sales. Um, And when I started to use that um, in my business, it was your long-term goals are my priority, not just 
anybody can sell a house, but where are you going to live after that? Those types of thoughts, not just getting a listing and, and getting a sale. Um, so when I, when I was able to take a step back and, and on my own, pretty much with my, with my parents' help and with my, my dad's training, because I was trained that way to help business, which back when I first started real estate, 2008, um, you, you, conventional wisdom in the real estate industry would not say help uh, for sale by owner. It would say, get the listing, right? <laughs> but I was taught, yeah, give them a sign. You know, my dad would say, just give them a sign, you know, establish a relationship, um, see how you can help them. And um, it really, I enjoyed it more too, instead of cold calling and um, so calling and all of the different um, methods that were taught. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And that's the thing is just like you said, like, like your dad said, just see how you can help them, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's the difference because as someone who's who's had so much sales training over the years and been a sales trainer, I found that the most successful salespeople are the ones who approach it from the perspective of how can I help this person? How can I help them? How can I serve them? But the problem for matchers comes in with the consistency. Because as matchers, a lot of times the reasons that we want to serve people is because we feel like that's how we would love to be treated, but maybe we haven't been, you know? And there's this this belief underneath it all that other people perceive us in a negative way, you know? Or maybe not even a negative way, but just as a, I don't see you kind of a way right? Like we're not seen or we're not heard. We're kind of invisible, right? Mm -hmm. And so we feel invisible to others. And then when that happens, we we really want to prove ourselves, right? And we prove (laughs) ourselves by going out there and serving like, I can help you. I can do things for you. I care about you because we genuinely do. And the problem, the problem is that when we're in that situation where we're feeling like that, depending on where our emotional state is in a given moment. Here we go. Caught it. (laughs) Where our emotional state is in a given moment that we may not feel like reaching out to people that day. And if we don't feel like reaching out to people that day because we're feeling overwhelmed or we're feeling stressed or we're feeling like there's just too much chaos going on in our day, that we're not able to do the things that lead to business. And, and that's where matchers get stuck. Right. Yes. And I've had that problem so many times where I felt like, Oh, well, so-and-so already did something like that. I don't want them to think that I'm copying them. I'm not, (laughs) but you know, but, and, and this person probably has no idea who I even am, but you know what I mean? I would just talk myself out of things and talk myself out of doing things, feeling like I didn't measure up or I couldn't, I wasn't good enough somehow, some way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny that you see that because comparison comes to mind when you talk about matchers versus the the other style, like a sales Mm -hmm. shark mentality. And I, when you were talking at the beginning, all I could think of were that it came back to me that the whiteboards with the names and the Mm -hmm. amount of sales that everybody had. And it would just make me feel like I didn't make me feel like it didn't lift me up. It didn't make me feel like I want to go out there and make those calls, right? It didn't motivate me. 
Yeah. And you know why? It was meant to. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. And that's the thing is that if you're training to that sales shark, you're going to put up leaderboards because you think these people are competitive and they want to be in a race with each other and that they're going to see that name at the top and be like, I want to be that name at the top. And they're going to beat everybody down to get there. And the problem with that is that most of your salespeople are matchers and we're not competitive at all. We just want everybody to win. We want everyone to win. So when we (laughs) see people winning, we're like, we either look at it and say, oh, that's great for them. Or we look at it and say, I know how they got there and I don't want to do those things. That's right. That's right. I don't want to be up at that board because that means I'm like them and I don't want to be like them. That's right. Right. Or then we're comparing ourselves and we'll do this at the same time we're doing those other things is going, I know I don't want to be like them, but I sure would like to earn that amount of money. <laughs> you know, And I sure would I like, like to get to numbers. that point. And why can't people just appreciate me for all the service that I offer and the knowledge and the wisdom that I'm here to share with them? And why can't I get there like that instead of having to kind of just push people, push people, push people into getting something that I want them to do that maybe they don't. And I'm not taking their needs or wants into consideration. Is that the only way to win? And then we kind of beat ourselves down and say, well, I'm not going to be like that. Well, then that maybe means I'm not ever going to be successful, you know, because the only way to be successful is to, to be that and I'm not saying the sales sharks do this because I don't think that they do necessarily, but it's like, we feel like we have to lie, cheat and steal to get to that place. You know what I mean? When it's just, we're not taking into consideration anything but the numbers and we can't do that. And we don't want to do that. Want to learn more about productive flow and connect with other business owners and salespeople on the same journey? then go join our free Facebook group at ProductiveFlowGroup.com. It's free, and you'll also get access to special content and resources. See you inside the group. Well, I do think it can be more difficult because of the wanting to help, because of um, it's not just numbers. It's it's more, it's to your whole point, emotionally attached, right? And you get, mm-hmm. you, you're wanting to help. It's a people versus number. Yes. And, um, and sorry, I lost my train of thought. That's okay. Um, um, it, oh, and we were talking about um, being and feeling invisible. It brings to mind a listing, a listing appointment. I don't like to call it that, but I went to a seller. Uh, we had a couple of great appointments. And in the end, he said to me, my price was the hundred thousand dollars lower than the neighborhood experts price. Yeah. And I said, and I, I can tell you that, that I could sell it for this, but I, I don't feel confident in that. This is where I'm getting my information. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, you know, we, we like you, we trust you. We think you would do a great job, but we're going to go with the neighborhood expert. And I kept an eye on that listing. Sure enough, 360 days later, it sold for my number. <laughs> so I feel like, yeah. you know, when you, when, Especially for any agents that are newer or, or still trying to learn the business, I mean that can be very defeating. It it yes. helps me to know where it ended up. Yeah, I kept an eye on it. Um, so mm-hmm. in the end, um, I I was glad that I stuck to my guns and didn't try to just get the listing. Yeah. But um, it, it's it can be challenging when you do feel invisible because you're not the person that's on every 
sign that's out there. Um, it yeah. doesn't m- mean that you're any um, less qualified or competent. No. And in fact, I think sometimes it's the opposite because the people who are matchers put so much more effort into their education because yes. the sales training aspects, they're like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I can't do that. So I'm just going to really make sure that I know what I'm doing. And we're really certain that we know what we're doing. So we like over-educate ourselves and (laughs) over-prepare. So we actually do all the research and study everything really, really well. And from that perspective, the matchers usually are the ones to go with. Where the neighborhood experts, like you're talking about, typically are more the sales sharks who are just interested in hitting their numbers and that it's not about the actual individual, not as much, you know? Right. And well, because they have the consistency with the numbers, the consistency exactly. comes, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it, it's a different approach. It is a different approach. And that's where you're, you're absolutely right about that is that because they're not questioning their worth or their value or how other people perceive them, And they don't go into anything saying, well, I feel invisible. They're like, you're going to see me, you know, (laughs) and I'm going to make sure you see me everywhere. And so they have no fear from that perspective. And so they go out and they're, they're on everybody's radar, but they're, they're usually not as well educated. They're not as customer focused. They're focused on the competition and the numbers and the sales that they're hitting. And that's the most important thing to them. Yes. And and yes. when you're focused on that, then it's, oh. as a matcher, what we have to do is get to that point where we can go out there and say, you're going to see me and you're going to see me everywhere. And I'm going to show up everywhere because I really want to help you. And I'm the best person for the job. Right. And it's going out with that kind of confidence that changes everything for a matcher, because that is when the consistency is created. Yes. But it's hard to get there otherwise. Yes. (laughs) You've got to be able to hit those numbers. And that's why for matchers, the most important training that they need, that they're not getting, is the mindset. So that was going to be one of my questions is, you know, how do you train? How do you measure? Because the idea of being a matcher, it just, it lit me up. It spoke to me. It just, it was so refreshing to hear. And um, so one of my thoughts was, you know, how do you change that? How do you measure? Because um, it's not the traditional formula that I've seen throughout my sales careers. No, it's not. And that's why I like my productive flow methodology for it is because it's, you know, emotion, energy, time, and focus. And so when we understand what our focus truly is, we have to find our motivation because we can't just be motivated by serving others. That's part of it, but there's more to it than that. And we have to understand what is behind our desire to serve. What is behind that? Because that's what our true focus is. And so when we find our true focus and then we're able to take that and break it down into saying, this is what I want my life to look like. This is what I want my business to look like. This is the money that I want to earn. And this is how I'm going to go do it. Then we can break it down into how we use our time. And then from there, then we can say, okay, well, if I'm going to use my time in this way, then how do I get my energy to be in a space where I'm able to spend my time in this way? Or I'm able to go at this 
pace, right? Right. And then we're also looking at our emotional state from how it shows up in any given day, where we're showing up and how we're showing up on an, in an emotional way so that we understand that, hey, this is how we get ourselves out there and do things because it's right. our emotions usually that are holding us back. Yes. It's the emotional yes. state because it's it's that feeling. And that's why I say mindset is really important where, where we're not getting the mindset. It's because we, we can see this whole list of activities, right? They teach us that. Here's your list right, of activities right, you got to right. go do. <laughs> and we're like, we don't mind doing them so much. It's just our emotions make us feel like doing them is wrong because we're doing them from the wrong perspective. And so our mindset is focused on if I do these things, then I'm that sharp person and I don't want to be that sharp person. So we have to create a, a reconciliation between our activities that we need to do, taking bold action every day to drive our business forward and be able to be seen, be able to be heard, be able to show up for those people who need us. And then at the same time, not let our emotions and our energy hold us back from doing those things. And I always say productivity is rooted in emotion. It's not that we don't know what to do. It's that we just don't do it. And then we can't figure out why, because we feel so stuck on a, on a daily basis. And it's either that we're overwhelmed, stressed out, or just feeling like it's all of those, those things that feed in together. And that is not taught. I teach it, but I came up with it. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's, It's not out there being taught on a greater scale. And here's the thing, because when I worked with Keller Williams and I was teaching it, they said, we don't like how you're teaching. And I'm like, well, I don't understand. They're like, you need to make sure that people are using our materials, our tools, and we don't care about their emotions. We just want them to be engaged with all our Keller Williams stuff so that they don't leave. And I'm like, if you focus on this type of training, they will be so loyal to you. They won't go anywhere. That's that's it. Go where, you know? And in their mind, it was like even doing things like I recommended way back then. I'm like, you know what? We need to, we need to start filming classes because we'll get more engagement if we make them available to the agents from anywhere. And they said, no, they have to come in for the class because if they don't come in, (laughs) then they won't stay engaged with us and they'll leave us. They'll go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Like if you provide them what they need and what they want, they won't go anywhere, but they never believed me. And so eventually it got to the point where I was like, I I can't do this anymore because you're not listening to me. And I do know this. I have studied this. I've been coaching for years at that point. And I knew it to be true. And they weren't willing to go in that direction. And that's why I left. But that's the thing is that we have to understand that if most of your salespeople are matchers and you're training to the shark mentality, this is why you're told that only 20% of your salespeople are going to be successful. Right. Because 80% of them are matchers and you're not training to their, their mentality. That's exactly what came to mind. And and most of the realtors I know, 
our our matchers, the ones that are mm-hmm. active day to day with buyers and sellers. Mm-hmm. I would I would say our matchers, um, yes. which brings to mind, I think it's good for them to be around other matchers because otherwise yes. you it's the comparison where it feels like everyone has so many transactions going on. And then when you talk to people, I mean, all reality, most of us are in the same boat and, mm-hmm. um, and, and want to be successful, want to help our customers. Um, but feel like we're, we're not getting there. Right. So, yeah. um, I think, I think it was again, I'm <clears throat> very excited about the concept in, in real estate because, um, I can see the need for that type of training and, um, and, and support. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that the, when you're talking about motivating and comparing and things like that, and like how they, they have leaderboards up and stuff, you know, it, the only person we need to be comparing ourselves to is an earlier version of ourselves. 100%. That's it. That's it. You know, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. 2012, <laughs> when I started looking at my sales versus mm-hmm. my sales and just started doing that every year, yeah. my business grew. Yeah, I stopped comparing to what other agents were doing. And I just looked at my production and it wasn't just production. It was a lot. It was average sales price. Who, Mm -hmm. who, who am I working with? Past customers, referrals, referrals from other realtors. That's where a lot of my business came from working with, you know, matching with realtors who were like-minded and I knew I could help. Yeah. And that's the thing is that, you know, matchers, if you want to create, like if, if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm a team leader or I'm a sales manager or something, you're like, I have salespeople and I think a lot of them are matchers, <laughs> you know, stop putting up leaderboards and start putting everybody's name on the board and what they achieved, what they achieved, how they're standing out, because what they need to be to be motivated is to be seen, to be heard and to be appreciated. So if you say, wow, you know what? Your, your price from, you know, your listing to sales price is really high this week, right? Or really high this month. And we're going to reward you for that. Or we're, we're giving you a certificate or we're just clapping our hands and celebrating you for that. That's awesome. You know what? But somebody else, it may be that, you know what? They reached out and called more people or they wrote more handwritten notes out right, to people, right, you know, right. and that is their celebration that, that month, you know, right? because it's comparing to what you did before as a matcher. It's not running a leaderboard and saying, who's got the highest numbers because right. we really are not motivated by that. We could not possibly care less about that in relation to our own success. Our own success is driven by our ability to help others. And our yes. training needs to be focused on emotion, energy, time, and focus, and how those four things feed together to create our consistent ability to take bold action. Right. That's it, you know? Right, right. That's it. So, um, yeah. Anything else you want to add to this, the conversation before we, before we finish up? Um, I, I guess I have a question. Do you, do mm-hmm. most people easily answer that question? What's their style of quantity or quality? Do, do most people come to you with the quality form? Yeah. yeah. Most of that, once I explain it, because, okay. um, a really common thing that I hear when I explain it is I didn't realize there was another way. Right. I didn't realize there were two ways. And some people will come in and this is your sales charts and they're like, which one's going to get me there faster? Right. Because that's all they care about, you know? And it's like quantity cold. 
And they're like, okay, I'll do it. Done. You know, and they just, they had hammer out their numbers and that's fine. And I want to be really clear that there's no right or wrong in this. It's, it's not like sharks against matchers. <laughs> like it's not West Side Story, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just, um, it's really just two different personality types, two different styles and how most people who are attracted to sales as a career are not doing it for the money. They're not doing it for hitting numbers or being number one. Like sales training has always been driven to, to think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, they're driven by serving other people. They're driven by helping people match to this thing that's going to make a positive impact on their life in some way. And that's and what lights them up. Well, and in real estate, another benefit is the independence. So to have people come to mm -hmm. an office once a week and make it mandatory is not going to work for a lot of the people that are in the business That's right. to have their independence. So it's balance of independence, but still doing those bold action moves, right? That yes. get you to where you want to be. Yeah. You know, and um, that's a really valid point too, because a lot of people who are matchers, and this is just from my own studies and research and working with all these people over the years, is that a lot of them have issues around anxiety. There's a lot of anxiety that comes up and I have struggled with anxiety for so many years and I've gotten myself into a space of balance and have been there for a long time, but it, it doesn't mean that it doesn't come up and bite me in the butt sometimes because it does, right? Mm -hmm. And the anxiety, again, is driven by the emotion and the energy and where all that stuff is rooted in, where that stuff comes from. It's usually childhood, right? And right, right. a lot of experiences since, but yes. um, it's usually rooted in how we were brought up or who, how people talk to us or how we perceived how other people talk to us. It doesn't have to be child abuse, you know? And that's where I think a lot of people think um, when I say, oh, it's childhood trauma, they think, oh, it's a childhood abuse. Well, I didn't have that, you know? It's like, you know what? I wasn't abused. I was right. talked to in a way that I perceived incorrectly, you know, or I could say, well, I had two well-intentioned loving parents who cared about me very much, but they had their own issues that they were dealing with and didn't have a lot of time for me. And I was the oldest kid. So I caught a lot of the brunt of their chaos and stress and frustration, you know, right. and, and figure it out. <laughs> exactly. Right. And so there's a lot of anxiety that comes up and a lot of matchers do have a lot of anxiety. And so part of our attraction to sales like you're saying, is the independence because we don't want to feel like, well, what if I, what if I'm having a panic attack at work? Can I leave? How does that fit in? You know, what if I'm having anxiety or something that morning, or I'm really stressed out and I just feel like I can't today. And we're attracted to sales because it is independent. We're attracted to entrepreneurship because mm -hmm. it's independent. Yes. And that if we're having a day where we're like, mm -mm, this is not happening today then we don't have to. Right. And that is very freeing for people like us. And so that's another thing to take into consideration with matchers is that they do need extra emotional support. And that when you provide that emotional support, you give them a safe space where they feel like they can show up. Yes. They can show up no matter what. And, and that again creates loyalty. And a lot of the traditional sales training, when you go to these train the trainers type of things, 
that a lot of the training and the need to have them engage in person and show up for classes and use the proprietary tools and things like this to the brokerage is, is this lack mentality of if we don't do something to trick them psychologically, then they won't stay. Yes. And inherently that is a trait that says we're not good enough by ourselves. We can't serve. We can't provide what they need. So we have to trick them into getting them to stay. Right. That's all wrong. It's all kinds of backwards, you know? (laughs) And so if they took more of a matcher approach, they wouldn't have those issues. Right. They wouldn't have any of that to worry about. And, and, uh, and the fact that you can, neither one is right or wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So I have, I had agents say, well, you know, this agent is doing great. They're getting the, buying the internet leads and they're really, really successful and it's worked so mm-hmm. well for them. And I would say, but that didn't work for me. So now I understand better with this concept why that didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I, I, when I stopped to measure that it didn't work for me, I'm, I'm a, I love statistics and numbers in a different way, not that they motivate yeah. me, but I like to analyze. Mm-hmm. So when I took, when I was able to analyze and say, wait a second, this is, you know, out of a hundred calls, I might get one live person. I, I don't like this. I want to help. Yeah. I want a relationship yes. um, with my customers yeah. and, and I, I, I enjoy getting to know them. And then I help their family members and I help their friends and mm-hmm. um, it makes it, it makes it enjoyable too. Yeah, because it is relationship based and we are in it for the relationships. We're in it for the mutual connection and feeling like we matter to them and they matter to us. And it creates a bond. And that is what we're looking to do. And that's where most people in sales, it doesn't matter if you're in real estate, if you're a financial advisor, if you're an accountant, if it doesn't matter. If you are focused on how you serve people and that is your motivating factor and you are self-employed in some way or you work in sales, this is, this is the thing, right? Is we have to understand what it's like. Are you a matcher or are you a sales shark? Neither one is wrong. It's just sharks take that quantity cold map, you know, path to sales and the matchers take the quality warm. And that if our sales training is driven to the sales sharks and they're only 20%, then you're not serving the other 80% of salespeople who could really thrive because they're your most educated, they're your strongest service-based people, and they're the ones that build the strong foundations and have loyalty from the people they serve. Right. And sales training just isn't, it's not serving them. No. We're lost in sales, you know, we're lost. And that's where a lot of us fall short with consistency and numbers and why we, and we tend to jump from office to office or brand to brand or feel like maybe we should just give up and get a real job kind of thing. And these, these feelings go through us is because we're just not being served by the training that's offered. Right. Yeah. So agreed. Okay. So, well, I um, want to just thank you, Lisa, for coming on the show today and sharing your perspectives and, and what it's like for you as a matcher. And um, yeah, and I, I think that another thing I want to mention here is that if any of you guys are listening to this and you, you do happen to be in real estate, 
Um, EXP Realty is, is where Lisa and I are both um, affiliated. And if this is something that you want to learn more about, um, anyone who is joining us at EXP, we do offer free coaching um, specifically designed for matchers. So if that's something that you want to do, please reach out to me or to Lisa and we can help direct you um, on that path and put you in our free coaching group for people in our EXP downline. So, yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Lisa. All right. (laughs) And thank you guys for being patient with the pups and everything today (laughs) and my voice and everything. I appreciate you guys. So um, until next time, um, we'll see you again on Productive Flow. Thanks for listening. And especially thank you for sharing the show and leaving a review on iTunes. Every time you share the show, you are potentially changing someone's life. Want to learn more about Productive Flow and connect with other business owners and salespeople on the same journey? Then go join our free Facebook group at ProductiveFlowGroup.com. It's free and you'll also get access to special content and resources. Now, stay tuned for the next episode of Productive Flow.